Welcome to another episode of the GSA Policy Profile Podcast. I'm Trish D'Antonio, Vice President of Policy and Professional Affairs for the Gerontological Society of America. Today, we'll be discussing the state of obesity care, better policies for older adults. We are grateful to Novo Nordisk for their support of the GSA Toolkit for the Management of Obesity in Older Adults and today's podcast. I'm so pleased to introduce today's guest, Joe Nedglowski, President and CEO of the Obesity Action Coalition. Joe also served as an expert reviewer for the GSA Toolkit for the Management of Obesity in Older Adults. Joe, we first met through the Obesity Care Advocacy Network, or OCAN, which works to increase access to evidence-based obesity treatments by uniting key stakeholders and the broader obesity community around significant education policy and legislative efforts. Can you tell us a little bit about you and the Obesity Action Coalition? Thanks, Trish. It's really an honor to be here today. And I am Joe Naglowski. I am a patient advocate. I've basically worked in patient advocacy my entire career now, almost 30 years, first starting off in kidney disease, but then 17 and a half years ago, uh, being recruited to start the Obesity Action Coalition, which was actually created after an elected official uh, um, stood up at a meeting on obesity and said, you know, I'm asked every day to do something about the obesity epidemic, but it's always by someone in public health or by a healthcare professional. I've actually never had someone living with obesity actually walk into my office and ask for help. He very simply asked, where are the patient advocates when it comes to obesity? And so that's what we created. We actually created that organization 17 and a half years ago. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about one of our passion areas, which is policy. But in addition to our policy work, we do work around education and support as well for those people living with obesity. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about some of the major policy initiatives that are being sought at the federal level. And then while GSA is not as engaged in the state level, it's probably good to talk a little bit about that because we know it starts to inform some of the federal policies. Yeah. So at the federal level and at the state level, really the fundamental ask is that people have access to obesity care. And that is the wide range of obesity care that can go from community-based programs to dietary counseling to seeing a healthcare provider who may offer medications to having bariatric surgery or any combination of those services. And so we spend most of our time talking to elected officials and policymakers to say, hey, people deserve access to this care. Let's give it to them. Now, Many people listening to this may say, well, wait a second, you know, in any other disease state, people have access to these services. Why don't people in obesity uh, have access to those kind of care? And, and the unfortunate reality is, is that too often obesity care is actually excluded or somehow carved out of people's health insurance plans. And uh, ultimately, people have to fight to gain access to this care, or oftentimes don't get it at all, right? They're expected to pay for it on their own. And so much of our policy work is to change that system. And I guess if we started at the federal level, one of the things that um, we're most passionate about is legislation called the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, which would change uh, how Medicare provides care for people with obesity. And so if you're a Medicare recipient today, you can be counseled by your primary care provider or you can have bariatric surgery. Those are your treatment options for obesity. And what the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act would do would actually expand those options. It would let you be counseled by a wider group of people, whether that be community programs or dietitians or specialists in obesity medicine or endocrinology or, or some other disease state where they could provide that counseling. 
as well as it would allow access to medications for obesity, what we call anti-obesity medications, which unfortunately are currently excluded from Medicare Part D by statute. So the language, unfortunately, when Medicare Part D passed says agents for weight loss, weight gain, or anorexia are excluded. And, and th that's what TROA, would, one of the main parts of what TROA, the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, would change is uh, eliminating that exclusion. Now, we do the same kind of work again at the state level as well, where we actually you know, look at state employees, state Medicaid, state uh, Affordable Care Act plans, and actually encourage them again, to look at what barriers are in place and to increase access to coverage. We've seen a lot of progress actually as of late uh, convincing state employee plans and starting to see some state Medicaid plans starting to pick up expanded care for obesity. Well, that's great to hear that there's some pickup in states because we know that that often starts to help us at the federal level when we're trying to advance policy. It sort of becomes na a natural reason that it should be a federal policy. Trish, one, one point I'll raise on that. So interestingly, we spent a lot of our time fighting on Medicare, but one curious win this year, and it was because of a long time advocacy effort, is that federal employees themselves, yes. starting in 2023, now have broader access to obesity care. Um, and the federal employee plan had good coverage prior to, to this year, um, but actually expanded their access to both childhood obesity treatment for uh, the, for the um, uh, dependents of, of federal employees, as well as expanded access to anti-obesity medication. So I think if we actually want to look at what good coverage might look like, it's worth taking a look at what the federal employees will have starting in 2023, because they, they have a, an access to the full range of obesity therapies. And so I think we're going to learn a lot from the federal employee plan as well. And that I think that'll help us encourage other employers and then other plans like Medicare and state employee plans to start picking up similar coverage. That's fantastic. And I think, yeah, you're. I agree with you that if we do that in federal employee coverage, others will start to ask, hey, how come this isn't here for me? And what's that benefit that we need? Other successes you've seen around this? Because I know we know we have to practice patience in policy, right? So other successes or advances you've seen in the last few years or so? Yeah, so I think most of them have been at the state level. So we've seen, for example, several states, uh, Georgia, Florida, others start picking up anti-obesity medication coverage for their own employees. And we've seen several Medicaid programs, the one that stands out to me the most just because of the amount of work it took was Pennsylvania, where they've added Medicaid coverage for their people that are on the medic in the Medicaid system. And curiously, that was an interesting approach because we did take a, a legislative approach with that. We actually were pushing legislation through the Pennsylvania legislature and we're making progress. But then curiously, the Medicaid itself decided on its own and a regulatory standpoint to actually cover the medications. And so it kind of showed the dual methods because a lot of our work is, yes, can we educate the regulators and can they make these changes you know, without legislation? Because obviously legislation is usually harder in most places, but we're not afraid to use legislation if we need to, to, to move these issues forward. Tell me about the barriers. I mean, we're talking about successes, but we also have to recognize those barriers. Yeah. So barriers are important and it's worth it. I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because you know, unfortunately, one of the major barriers is the system, right? The system previously allowed the carve out of obesity care, right? This is not like cancer or diabetes or asthma or hypertension, where an insurance company couldn't get away or an employer couldn't get away with not covering certain services for those things. And so, you know, that 
that original systems problem we have where people thought of obesity as a personal failing and or as a cosmetic problem and not a disease um, has led to a lot of the barriers that we face. The other barrier that we face is really this misunderstanding about utilization. So many employers and or insurers will tell me, well, Joe, if we cover this, 42% of our population has obesity. If we count people that have overweight, we might be at 75% of our population. We are going to get overwhelmed by utilization. But I will tell you that if we look at the real world data, most people living with obesity you know, aren't yet ready for these higher level services. And so utilization is modest. In fact, I, I would argue that utilization is it's underutilized more often than it is overutilized. So I think we need to rely on data to show that what utilization really looks like instead of this stigma and bias, right? That of course everyone's desperate to lose weight. So they'll try anything. And so therefore they're gonna they're gonna go to the most expensive option that we offer on our health plan because that's not what happens in the real world, right? People take a long time to make the decision to seek medical care. And remember, in this country, there's a stigma to having obesity, but there's also a stigma for asking for help for your obesity. So very few people actually engage with a healthcare provider about their obesity. And therefore that if they don't engage with a healthcare provider, then that eliminates the most expensive options to care for their obesity. And, and ultimately, I do think more people need to, and I think utilization needs to increase, but I think it'll increase slowly over time and it'll be manageable for the payers. It's not going to be a sudden rush for care. And I, I, you see that over and over again when I, when I talk to the payers, to the insurers, to the employers, well, how do we control utilization? And I'm like, I, I think you're worrying about a problem that doesn't exist, right? I mean, right right now, if we actually looked at real-world numbers, less than 1% of people who are eligible uh, receive bariatric surgery. Less than 2% of people who are eligible gain access to medications. And if we actually looked at the Medicare data around counseling, it's less than half a percent of people who are eligible for counseling even seek counseling. So these fears about overutilization are definitely overblown, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think one of the answers to overutilization is, okay, think about the impact that we can have on other chronic conditions as well. And I know that never get, that does not get scored. And that's part of the, for our listeners, that's part of the, the CBO, the um, Congressional Budget Office and how bills are looked at as how they're paid for or what we would need to pay for that bill. And we don't look at prevention as part of that. And so thinking about advanced issues in heart disease and diabetes and other chronic conditions that really are impacted as well. Ultimately, it feels like it would make sense to be able to provide a systemic solution for people around obesity and overweight. Recognizing that we have to be patient, what positives or what are you hearing from policymakers that show they're interested in, in this? And are there specific we- recognized as champions? Yeah, so we've heard more and more um, positive sentiment. I think there's a greater understanding of obesity as a chronic disease versus a personal failing, right? And I think oftentimes this takes somebody meeting someone or knowing someone who has struggled with this issue their entire life and is working really hard at and unfortunately isn't having success, right, to get to, to better understand that, hey, this isn't just about, you know, people not trying or lack of willpower, right? This is something much more complicated than that. And, and I think when we've gone to policymakers, even if they don't know someone like that personally, we bring patient advocates to them to actually say, hey, you know, here are, here are stories, right? These, these are real world people who are really trying hard. Um, and, and I think 
I, I've seen a shift in, in policymakers' understanding around obesity as a disease. So I don't, we don't have to go up and sell obesity as a disease anymore, right? People understand it's serious. I don't, we don't have to convince them that it's tens or hundreds of thousands of people die from obesity anymore, those kind of things. They understand this is a serious problem. Of course, now the, what we need to do is get them to take the next step to say, okay, it's a serious problem, but you know, how, how do we alter the system? How do we fix these systemic problems to, to make sure people have access to the care that they need to be able to do this? And, and I will say that another interesting thing, we talk about champions around this issue. So that we don't find obesity being an issue of the left or the right, right? Actually, we find champions on both sides of this issue. And all you have to do is look at the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act to understand that. You know, actually, in the Senate, there are more Republicans that support TROA than there are Democrats. But in the House, there are more Democrats than Republicans, right? This is really a widely bipartisan bill. And so, and, I, and we see that at the state level as well. I will tell you that I've worked with governors who uh, have been Democrat and governors who have been Republican and and both sides want to address this issue so that there, there's positiveness there. Of course, now some of their focuses on how you might and, and techniques you might use or reasons why you might use may vary based on people's backgrounds under political affiliation. But one good thing is, especially in our system around politics right now, it oftentimes seems broken. I, I feel like I wear a white cape. I'm, I'm a good guy when I go in to talk about obesity. I don't have to, I can go to any office and, and not have to worry about politics entering into the conversation. That, that's a good thing. And particularly thinking about it as we can talk to people about the impact as we age, that, that this is a life course issue. It's not something that we just, it starts at a certain time in life, right? This is something that I think everyone can identify with. And I would agree with you in, in activities that I've participated in that you do hear, might hear a little bit of a different approach which is natural, but we do hear support and having bipartisan bicameral support is really what's going to get us across that finish line. We just to figure out when it's when it's really going to go, right? Right. And I do think, I will say, I think one of the important message that we actually see now that obesity care access is growing among employers, especially large employers, what we find is people will have access to care and then, and then they'll retire. And then suddenly when they move into the Medicare system, they don't have access to care anymore. And that that makes no sense at all, right? Kind of thing. It would, be, it would be like you having access to blood pressure medicine until the day you retire and then you don't have access to blood pressure medicine under Medicare anymore, right? It's, this is, obesity is not an acute problem. It's a chronic problem. So therefore you have to continue that. So I think it's an especially important issue for older Americans. And we, and we need more older Americans to advocate around this issue because they are the ones who are going to be most directly impacted. We are seeing the fastest growth in access to obesity care among the younger people who are you know, in, in the employment environment, right, from the employers. But as people leave that environment and they and they choose to retire and enjoy their retirements, the fact that they won't have access to such care is a huge problem. And it's one we have to address. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Are there other barriers that you hear from policymakers that you'd want to raise, given what we've just talked about, about it being bipartisan, bicameral? But what, like, what are other little details that we hear in addition to concerns about overutilization. Yeah, I, th I think I think we have to be frank. I mean, with with overutilization comes cost, right? I mean, that worries over cost, and so some of the obesity therapies are very modestly cost, and some are perceived as being expensive. And so, I would argue there's an obligation both from insurers and employers to cover these services, but then for manufacturers to price those uh, appropriately. And then the other barrier we hear, it's not really a barrier because it's an issue we have to address, but a lot of times policymakers would rather talk about prevention 
versus treatment, right? And I think, and what I like to remind them of is, you know, I live in Florida and I have to uh, wear sunscreen every day to prevent skin cancer. But once I, you know, or if I develop skin cancer, I still wear sunscreen every day, but something else is done, right? So we had another intervention that is the treatment of my skin cancer. Now with obesity, we sometimes assume that prevention efforts are treatment efforts, and, and that is data that does not exist, right? So we, if, for example, you've developed obesity over years and you've been in a community where there have been lots of prevention efforts, well, obviously those prevention efforts weren't effective for you. So just doing more of the same thing isn't likely going to solve the problem. And so a lot of times we spend a lot of times educating our policymakers to understand the difference between prevention and treatment. Now, don't take that the wrong way. So I believe 100% we have to have more comprehensive prevention efforts around obesity. But we also have to have more comprehensive treatment efforts because actually it's only going to be the combination of those two that actually leads us towards success. So I can treat you uh, and, and have you treated and we can have a successful res result. But then if I return you to an environment where there are prevention efforts, it's going to contribute to you experiencing some reoccurrence of your obesity. Just like if if I don't treat you and we're, are we just writing, are we writing everyone off who lives with obesity, right? We're never going to solve the issue that way. So we need a combination of both prevention and treatment and getting policymakers to think about this more broadly and not think about just prevention, especially when, again, 75% of Americans are overweight or have obesity, right? Live with large bodies. So I think it's worth us talking about that and, and maybe being more unified with the prevention community, the prevention and treatment community working better together to improve access to care and, and access to prevention. What else would you do or how else could we encourage policymakers to join, you know, join on? I mean, I know we have people who've signed on to Charlo on both sides of Congress, both sides of the house, but it's not enough to get us to get us across the finish line. So what can we do to encourage policymakers to address obesity as a priority? Yeah, I, th I think it's time for everyone who is involved in this space to actually hold your elected officials uh, to the feet to the fire around this issue. Actually ask them, ask them to say, hey, will you support this legislation? And by the way, if they support the legislation, thank them for supporting it and then say, what can you do to help move it forward, right? Because uh, be, to be frank, you know, the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, we will celebrate its 10-year anniversary in December of 2022. And it's been 10 years, right? And it's time for this legislation to pass. One of our struggles is it's hard for us to make obesity a top two or three issue for some of our policymakers. There's so many other issues going on in our country right now that we often think we're rising to the top and then suddenly another issue takes our spot and then this legislation doesn't move forward. But it's going to take voices, right? It's going to say, hey, enough's enough. Let's give people access to care. It's going to take people to share their own personal experiences. It's going to take healthcare providers to say, hey, my, my patients are being denied access to these treatments that would be important for them. You know, one of the things that we actually hear, not, not from policymakers, but from insurers and, and employers is that we never actually get requests to cover these services. No, no one asks us for them. They just, you know, and, and what we need to do then is just create some volume, right? Saying, hey, look, I'm being denied access to this medication or this procedure or this counseling and, and let our policymakers know, let your insurer know, let your employer know, and then CC that letter to your elected official, right? So they know as well that, that hey, you know what, people are being denied access to care they need. 
I'm looking and I'm listening to you. And, and the first thing I want to say to our listeners is you heard it here. There is no uh, magic fairy dust. You just need to pick up the phone and call your member of Congress. Let them know that you are interested in the Treatment to Reduce Obesity Act or TROA. And we'll have some links on our website to that information related to this podcast. I think it's so important for us to think about and recognize that we need to get beyond the stigma of obesity and recognize it as a chronic condition. That That's really an important message that I heard today. Recognizing obesity as a chronic condition, recognizing that there are prevention mechanisms as well as treatment mechanisms that we need to be able to employ in order to give us all meaningful lives as we age, what, what we talk about as GSA's vision. And really, really pleased to work with you and other members of coalitions to advance this legislation and, and advance the information that we all need in practice and in policy to be able to provide the services and treatment for particularly older people, but for all of us when it's related to obesity and, and overweight. And Joe, this has been a really great discussion. It goes by so fast. I don't know how you feel, but it just feels like it, you know, the time goes by so quickly. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I just want to thank GSA for the opportunity for their commitment to these, these policy issues, their support of the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, and the resources that you're developing uh, for older adults, right? I, I think the uh, recent toolkit developed, I was honored to participate in that, and it's a great resource, uh, especially for providers who are looking at how, how we can do a better job caring for people with obesity. Part of that work, of course, will be we have to support this, these policy efforts because many, many people will face barriers to access because of um, because of these coverage issues. And so, again, I would just encourage everyone to speak up. It's time for us to speak up around this issue. Let's walk, let's move past the shame and blame around obesity and ask for the care that we deserve. So thank you very much. I'd like to remind our listeners that you can access the GSA toolkit and other resources that we've developed on this topic by going to geron.org, that's G-E-R-O-N.org slash obesity. Links will also be provided in the show notes. Joe, I want to thank you for your efforts advocating on behalf of people with obesity and the efforts of the Obesity Action Coalition to elevate and empower individuals affected by obesity through not only the advocacy, but the education and support, right? That's important as well. And we appreciate you taking the time to provide our listeners with these great insights. Thank you for listening today to the Gerontological Society Policy Profile, The State of Obesity Care, Better Policies for Older Adults. To learn more about the Gerontological Society of America, visit geron.org. The Gerontological Society of America was founded in 1945 to promote the scientific study of aging, cultivate excellence in interdisciplinary aging research, and education to advance innovations in practice and policy. For more information about GSA, visit geron.org.